Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into a afternoon edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday nights. It's just Talking Tuesday today as we continue to give you oh, yeah, updates on what is going on in the transfer portal. He's intern Joe rocking his JBJ Red Sox jersey. I'm Mike Yuba. And folks, we appreciate everyone that has followed along on Gamecock Central going back to even last week. I mean, last week is really when the mayhem started to begin. But as we know, officially, officially for FBS players, the transfer portal window opened up yesterday. Now, since then, since then, we have seen a high, high, high number of players start to put their paperwork in. And shoot, the last time I checked, and I'll check it actually right now to give you even a better indication. I mean, we're we're over a thousand players currently in the transfer portal. Oh yeah. Last season we were just under, and I'm gonna pull it up right now on the transfer portal wire. We'll share that with you guys. But last year, we were over 2,700 players who entered the portal. We'll get into some numbers a little bit later. I wrote a piece yesterday on Gamecock Central giving you guys an indication of how many of those players who entered the portal last year actually ended up on teams, how many players withdrew, and just 
the uncertainty that lies when you do enter the portal. Because, yeah, realistically, when we talk about the blue chip players, when we talk about the studs, we talk about the stars, finding a place isn't the issue. Now, whether or not they go yeah. to another place and they have success, that's a you know a different topic. But some of these players, they find out the hard way. Now, obviously, some of that has to do with chasing money. Some of that has to do with just getting bad advice, maybe from a family member, maybe from a friend, maybe just their own ego, whatever the case may be. Having said all of that, there have been certainly cases, and I'm not even talking strictly about South Carolina players go on to other places for whatever reasons, and things turn out good for them. But having said all that, having said all that, if you're just joining us today, here's the latest. Here's the latest on the uh, off, the, off the top of the show. South Carolina has been able to retain kicker Alex Herrera. To some, that might not seem like a big story. The reason why that's big is, well, what happened yesterday? Your starting kicker, Mitch Jeter, he officially entered the portal. So now, even though you're going to be bringing in a very, a very talented kicker in Mason Love part of this 2024 class, there's also some uncertainty there, right? He's a guy that can kick as a place kicker. He's a guy that can do kickoffs. He's a guy that can punt. But at the same time, too, he's a freshman. And that's not to say that he can't do good things. It's just that there are, are some unknowns, right? So having a guy like Alex Herrera, who competed against Mitch Jeter, and I can tell you this, even heading into the competition two years ago, talking with South Carolina's all-time scoring leader and Parker White, he told me that he truly believed that Alex Herrera was going to be the starting kicker. This is before Mitch Jeter eventually won the competition. So I say that because I think it should give you a good sense of what this guy is all about. He's coming back for a six-year. We're waiting on the official confirmation for him to put out, make the announcement. But as I reported about, oh, I'd say an hour ago on Gamecock Central, Herrera will be back, is my understanding. Uh, he'll be on scholarship, is another thing I was told. He's been on scholarship, but it gets funky once you you know you get to that fifth year, sixth year, because you have to get re-upped, essentially. Let's just use that for a lack of a better phrase. But being able to have him back, Joe, again, there are certainly other areas that South Carolina needs to improve on retention, right? Whatever you want to call it for, for certain these positions, we'll get into some of the roster retention with the offensive line and some of the defensive players that we've seen. We also started to see some offensive players today, big tree, Luke Doty, but to you, what has stood out so far as far as some of the players at South Carolina has been able to retain? Because I think what people need to remember now more than ever is recruiting is obviously a key part. There's no question, right? Recruiting is a key part. But when we talk about recruiting, it's not simply anymore being able to recruit the top talent from the high school ranks each year. It's not just being able to go out into the portal to bring in some talented players. Whether you like it or not, it's also being able to retain talent on your roster from one year to the next. Yeah, Mike, plain and simple. There's a lot of things that South Carolina has already done in the transfer portal, um, whether you know it or not. Um, there are obviously going to be some guys that are hindering on the edge of leaving. Um, and I think, you know, shout out to Garnet Trust. We've got them. I've got them scrolling below us. Um, you can go to GarnetTrust.com for more opportunities um, to support student athletes. But yeah, Garnet Trust has played a big, big, big role um, in keeping a lot of guys here. I saw Will's comment. Big tree staying, that's big. Yeah, it's very big. It's six foot three, 200 or 335 pounds big. Um, mm -hmm. Offensive tackle big. 
Um, so that's huge. Obviously, Tonka Hemingway coming back, Boogie Huntley coming back, Mario Anderson, like Mike reported, as well coming back. So South Carolina has already done a lot of work in the portal in terms of just keeping guys here. Um, I think that's half the battle um, in college football nowadays. I mean, you look at a team like Vanderbilt, Southern Cal, Clemson's even got some guys um, entering the portal. Um, so there are a lot of guys, you know, transferring, looking for new opportunities. So nowadays it's just as hard as it is to hold on to guys as it is to go get them. So um, Shane's winning half the battle, keeping the majority of his depth. Um, you would hope, Obviously, Lenore Sellers can get himself a bag. Other guys like that on the offense will, will continue to follow the trend of signing with Garnet Trust um, and keeping those guys in-house. And, Mike, obviously, we'll, we'll get into um, the specifics of, like, who they're going to go, go yeah. out and go get. But, um, yeah, shout-out to Garnet Trust. And then on my podcast this week, I'll have Jeremy Smith to break it all down, too. So that'll be a really fun interview. Looking forward to that. A very timely interview to have Jeremy Smith of Garnet Trust on yep. indeed, Joe. Uh, I, I, th this is going to be something that we're going to see. I see Justin bringing this up. I'm going to get right into it. Yeah. Justin says, what's the word on Nick Eamon Ward? We have, uh, we have seemed to be able to hang on to a lot of our key pay players so far. So here's the thing. And this is why I'm hesitant to talk about some. And that's not to scare anyone we're talking about Nick. From everything that I've been told. And if you guys are watching on Thursday show, I'll do it again. I'm going to be active on my phone. The difference today, though, is I have intern Joe on with me. Yeah, so maybe. if I need someone to fill in some dead air time, if you will, as I look down, if we get updates. And it's not as crazy today in comparison to what it was last Thursday. We appreciate everyone that tuned in. I mean, we those numbers last Thursday were insane. And hopefully we'll be able to get those numbers back up to that point today. But having said all that, the, the tricky part with some of this, and then I'll get into specifically what you're, you're asking about, Nick. The tricky part about where we stand today when it, we talk about roster retention, right, transfer portal, NIL, just whatever you want to group it all into, right, this just new era of college football. So when I talk about all those things and I say new era of college football, that's what I'm talking about. The tricky thing is, and it's as reporters, we're going out, we're gathering information. We're only as good as our sources, right? Yeah. And we're being told X, Y, Z. And I can tell you from having conversations with these, these sources that are as close to the program as it gets, you hear different things as to, okay, this is what's going on with this player. This is what's going on with that player. And then the next day or two days later, you get a phone call, you get a text, and they're sometimes telling you, all right, this player wants some more money. All right, this player, you know, we've been told they're kind of, you know, they're telling us one thing, but there's also this notion that they could be out shopping themselves around a little bit on their own. Again, tampering going on, people aren't naive, but it's not, as I said last week, it's not about proving whether or not tampering's taking place and needing that concrete evidence, because certainly that's what you need. But even if you have it, even if you have it, does the NCAA really care? So I share that with you because that's just the reality of where we are when we talk about this new era of college football. And it's not to say that people shouldn't care, people shouldn't get upset that some of this tampering is going on, because, again, it certainly is. But the challenging part is, right, again, when we talk about concrete evidence, a paper trail, a lot of these agreements, and I'm, when I talk about agreements, I'm not specifically talking about South Carolina. I'm talking big picture with college football. You can say college athletics as a whole with NIL and all that. A lot of these agreements are taking place verbally. Verbally. I've heard stories 
I've heard stories of players who have committed to colleges. They've been given a car. They've been given some type of compensation. But yet there's no written contract. And the reason being is, well, little Johnny's still friggin' in high school and you're not supposed to give him a car. You're not supposed to do this or that. So there's no paper trail. And then guess what happens a month, two months later? Johnny's flipping. Johnny's going to another school. And you can't get that car back. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to say, ah, crap, you know, this guy, well, you did something illegal. So I bring this up because this stuff is taking place behind the scenes. Having said all that, having said all that, it is my understanding, it is my understanding that South Carolina is in a very, very good spot with Nick Eamon Worry. Very good spot. Now, does he want more money? I'm sure. I'm sure some of these kids want more money. I'm sure some of these kids want more money. The part that's challenging, though, is I think the educational side for some of these kids and their families, it needs to improve for South Carolina. I think we can say that for a bunch of schools, but specifically talking about South Carolina since, you know, we cover the Gamecocks. You guys are Gamecock fans. You want to know what's going on with South Carolina. That needs to improve. And I think it will improve over time for a couple reasons. One, this is still so new to all of us, right? The coaches, the collectives, that over time it will become more of the norm that we are talking about and people will have more of a grasp on it. Now, that doesn't mean that parents coming up, I'm making this up, their son's a freshman right now in high school, that they're not going to want money at some point when they come in and if, if things were to stay the same way with the rules and regulations. But I bring that up, Joe, because I think with not knowing exactly how to handle certain situations and not being able to explain it probably as thoroughly at times, it's making things a little challenging for some of these players coming up. And I think they, the families and these players, they assume it's kind of like the NFL, right? There's no, there's no cap space, but at the same time, too, we're not dealing with billionaire owners here. It's a little bit different, right? In some ways, it, at times, we're talking about monopoly money. And I'm not saying that South Carolina doesn't have the money to throw money away like we're seeing at Texas A&M and some of these other schools that players are accusing collectives of not paying them because they sent yeah. up monopoly money. But what I'm trying to get at is I think so many kids right now, they just assume, all right, this player's getting this much, that guy's getting this much, and as I said on Gamecock Central last night in the Insiders Forum, it's really funny to see some of these numbers. I know some of the numbers that players are getting paid. I don't know all of them, and I have ballpark numbers on some. But it's really funny to see some of the numbers that get thrown around because they're not even anywhere freaking close. Anywhere close. Sometimes it's less than the half of what some of the people are saying. So I bring that up, Joe, because I think that will improve over time. I think that will improve. Um but again, yeah. the original question with Nick, I think they're in a good place right now. But these are things, though. And again, I'm not specifically saying this about Nick. I'd say this about any player, any player, that you're being told one thing. Does it truly mean that? Or are there other things going on behind the scenes that people don't know about? Mario Anderson, another player that I alluded to last night. Yeah. That I alluded to uh, last night. You know, that is in a good place and should be making an announcement soon that he'll be coming back. But again, 
is there other things going on behind the scenes? And I'm not trying to scare anyone about Nick. I'm not trying to scare anyone about Mario Anderson. I'm not trying to say, okay, Mike's saying that these things are happening. No, no, no. I'm not saying those things are happening. These are things that are taking place out there, though. These are taking place out there with other and at other programs as well. And I think people need to be cognitive of that because until we actually have it, and we'll get into it a little bit more with what these NIL deals with Garnet Trust mean. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, Joe, and I'll let you have a thought because I know I've been rambling here for a little yeah. bit. But some of these NIL deals with Garnet Trust, what people need to know is they have a contract in place. They have a contract in place. So that's why these are stories that they are coming back because now there is a written agreement. Yeah. Mike, and I don't know how much of the new um, NCAA proposition of the regulations you've had gotten the chance to read, but um, the NCAA proposed a new regulation for like a new subdivision of FBS and whole yep. NIL, basically. This is their NIL plan. I had a chance to read over it this morning, and it is very in-depth. It's very advanced. It, it you know goes along with everything the NCAA is you know kind of preaching about and it essentially turns college football into contractual agreements where you know players can get paid directly from their schools that I think is the future and you know in terms of the NCAA this is the most advanced plan I mean I essentially thought the NCAA was going to get passed over by the college football playoff and it was going to be completely different but what the NCAA essentially laid for today and I'm assuming what will end up happening is going to be a modified version everybody gets their piece but um, today, essentially, it's it is the the um, you know kind of the pathway for NIL. It's worth a read if you guys have the time to go check out. I'm sure we have stuff on Gamecock Central about it. It's very in depth. Um, I it, it's a lot to get through on this show, but it's very very promising in terms of the future of the sport and all of the you know kind of gray areas Mike was talking about. A lot of that will be solved with a lot of this regulation. And sure, there's still going to be the McDonald's bags and you know people trying to cheat and that kind of stuff, but this is is very groundbreaking in terms of everything that we've seen up to this point in terms of regulations and, and that kind of thing. But I did want to throw that in there because you brought that up, Mike, just in terms of how Garnet Trust is working right now and all of that. The NCAA just proposed this. It's going to be a little while before any of that gets in into place, but it's it's very, very on the very much so on the uptick. So we have a lot of questions and they're kind of all over the place. And I would expect yeah. that on a day like today, and not just a day like today, but the week that we're in right now, it's day two of the transfer portal window officially being open. And just to remind folks, because you probably saw last week, there were some FBS players, not just grad transfers, but underclassmen entering the portal from the FBS rank, certainly from the FCS, going back to the previous week since the FCS season ended. And if those teams didn't make the playoffs, well, you're going to hop into the portal. And some of these guys now bowl season FBS, unless they're, you know, they're going to the college football playoff or, you know, unless they're playing in a big bowl game, some of these guys are saying, all right, I don't care about the Twinkie Bowl or whatever. I'm going to hop into the portal now and I'm going to try to get my name out there. Just to remind folks, because back in October, just not too long ago, just two months ago, I actually believe it was October 4th. So nearly 60 days ago, the NCAA changed the number when it came when it comes to the window. Now, this is the wind, the winter window portion of the portal. That is 30 days. Last year, it was 45 days. The window officially opened yesterday. We will go 30 days. 30 days. The second window will take place, I believe it is in, and I'll pull this up again just to make sure because, you know, some of these numbers, you lose track, and I wasn't a uh, big numbers guy back in the day. I believe it is April, 
April 16th, okay? So April 16th to April 30th, a 15-day window. That is the spring portion of the portal window. So 30 days right now for the winter portion. You go from yesterday until Tuesday, January 2nd. And then the spring, April 16th to the 30th. I bring that up just to remind folks, because again, even though I think some of you are educated on it already, a lot of you are probably still trying to figure out what's going on with some of this. And that is a very fair question to ask. We're all trying to figure out in some shape, way, or form the transfer portal, NIL. Some of this stuff, honestly, it keeps changing, it feels like, mentioning the portal windows for this year. So what that means is you have to enter during that time period. That doesn't mean you have to declare what score you're, you're going to, right? If intern Joe's over here and he enters the portal today, he can decide two months from now, three months from now, four months from now, whatever the case may be. As long as everything works out as far as the clearinghouse is concerned at said university, at said college. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind on. Um, what do we got here, Joe? Or, yeah. Did you have another comment in mind? I'm, I'm going to get into some of the conversations about these contracts. Yeah. That stuff that I can share because I think it will make people feel a little bit better about the direction that some of this stuff is heading in. Uh, Robert asked any idea yet when coaching changes will happen. So again, if you guys were watching last Thursday, live time, I'm looking down at my phone, I'm getting messages. It was one thing that we were told to keep an eye on from I think Thursday heading into Monday. As of right now, there is nothing, nothing has happened. Having said that, having said that, and I wrote a piece actually last week on some things to keep in mind. And I'll read some of it right now. Because of the early signing day period, what we're seeing, and this isn't just limited to South Carolina, and that's not to say South Carolina is going to do this, but I'm just explaining what we've seen over the last couple of years. One of the things you run into is you have early signing day. You have early signing day. This year, it's taking place on Wednesday, December 20th. But what happens is, a week plus after that, for a lot of these college colleges out there, and obviously for our focuses on South Carolina, the coaching contracts are a yearly thing. It's not an academic year. It is a calendar year. So there are several coaching contracts that are set to expire at the end of the year. Now, that does not mean... That does not mean that these coaches will not be back next year, but it's something to keep in mind. And the reason I say that is because regarding any USC assistant coach, the buyouts are similar to the amount if they were to be fired. For example, if the buyout is, say, $200,000 for a coach to leave USC, if they were if they were being paid $200,000, um, they would be paid $200,000 uh, for, for, for uh, them to be fired. If they were to leave, making this up, get a job opportunity somewhere else, they or the school that they'd be going to would be responsible for paying back uh, that number, that 200000 to the University of South Carolina. So I bring that up because there is math involved with some of this. And as we all know, when we're looking at USC, and I'm not saying USC is poor, they can't move on, from, but you also have to keep in mind 
that with some of the things that have took place over the last couple of years, whether it be basketball, whether it be football, right? And you're trying, obviously, to continue to generate money that you can use for the transfer portal as well. You're not going to have to go out and you know ask donors for this or that, which was the case a couple of years ago with Will Muschamp and his contract situation. But as of today, the coaches whose contracts are are scheduled to expire at the end of the year, and again, that's not to say they won't be back next year, but I'm just trying to make a point here. Straight to conditioning coach Luke Day, tight end coach Jody Wright, wide receivers coach Justin Stepp, and defensive line coach Travian Robinson. That means that extensions will have to be approved in order to extend those contracts for any of those individuals listed. And that doesn't mean that South Carolina can't move on from another coach who I didn't mention there. But as I alluded to before, if they have years left on their contract, then South Carolina would have to pay the difference if they were to fire them on top of the opportunity that South Carolina would have a player, if a coach, excuse me, went to another institution to coach. So those are some things just to keep in mind. But again, as of right now, no changes. But we're also in a, in a point where South Carolina is trying to keep their recruiting class in, intact. And I know, and I'm not saying South Carolina is doing this, but I know some in the past would say, well, we want to have our coaching staff in order and in place before signing day. Honestly, now, and I'm not saying this specifically to South Carolina, just in general, I don't blame coaches if they go about it this way from a business standpoint. We talk about how players are making business decisions, right? With the transfer portal, sometimes you got to look out what's in the best interest of you. Yeah, Will yeah. says, maybe Robinson had a one-year contract. Yeah, he had a one-year contract. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, rolling through it, Adam asks two questions. When uh, Daniel Hill... When will Daniel Hill make his decision and is Harbor locked in? So it's my understanding that Hill is going to be making his decision in January. I'll pull up the exact date if I can. But I say that simply because the thing about the Hill situation, the whole timeline has been wonky, right? If everyone remembers towards the end of August, he was originally set to make his commitment. Gamecock fans felt very good about where they stood, and then what happened? Well, he decides to delay that commitment. Doesn't make the commitment there. And I think, Aaron, I think, Aaron, I think you're actually spot on talking about Daniel Hill, about the date. I'm going to go double-check that, but Aaron, that sounds right to me. Point being is in early January, and I think January 6th actually sounds correct. Um, So I say that because with Daniel delaying things, delaying things, obviously Alabama became – a school that got into the mix more and more. We know that his father, of course, very vocal that he'd like his son to go to school there or at least stay in the area. Tennessee is in the mix, right? I know Auburn has kind of, you know, been there. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down between South Carolina and Alabama. Having said that, having said that, and as we've said on this program many, many times before, big just boy fight. recruiting battle. It's a big boy recruiting battle, right? And the other thing, too, is I've really liked where South Carolina has stood, honestly, for the last two months. I mean, if you've been listening to Gamecock Central, you've been paying attention to these GC Live shows. Intern Joe and I, we've talked about it on these Tuesday shows going back for the last two months. Yep. That we have felt very good based on the information that we've been able to gather. Having said all that, 17, 18-year-old kids, even shoot all the way up to 21, 22, when you're talking about the transfer portal. 
nothing's in stone until it's in writing, right? So certainly nothing is a done deal right now. I still love, I still love. Yeah, I'd say I love. I still love where South Carolina is at right now with Daniel Daniel Hill. And um, you know, these next couple of weeks being able to get in contact with him. I was told, I believe actually from talking to Chris and Wes, I'm gonna make sure I give them credit that I believe a visit to see Hill and his family is is in the works. I don't know exactly when that is going to be done. If you want to follow Gamecock Central, if you're not a subscriber, this is the time. I mean, the the number of subscribers that have been that we've gained over the last week have been absolutely incredible. So we appreciate everybody. One dollar to sign up for the first month. One dollar. If you're trying to find someone a Christmas present, um, you know, Hanukkah, whatever, you're trying to get them a holiday present. This is a great one for Gamecock fans. Because you don't just get football information, especially this time of the year. And really, with the transfer portal, I think Chris or Wes said it best. Can't remember which one said it yesterday on GC Live. The old school signing days, right? The the amount of attention that would be going into it. This is essentially the new wave of that. And that is turn again. I'm not saying that I love this new era of college football, but you embrace it. Yeah. And now what we've seen is the transfer portal following. I mean, it's took on another, another uh, life of its own. We're talking about college football. So you got, you know, roster retention, recruiting out of high school, recruiting out of the transfer portal, which players are entering the portal. If you're a football fan, and again, not saying that you love all this, but this, uh, the fact that you're able to talk about football a little bit more, if you're understanding what I'm saying. Again, not saying that you love all this, but just the idea of talking about football year-round, it's really become a thing with all of this. Yeah, certainly. And to summarize Michael's comment there, we appreciate the comment. It's just a little big. But um, to summarize that one, it was kind of what Mike was talking about. But basically, it is kind of a big question for football nowadays is how do you go about balancing a recruiting class full of transfers and guys um, out of the, the the prospect pool, right? So like um, guys, true freshmen that you'd be bringing in versus veteran guys that you're going to get, it's, it's really hard to do. And I think, you know, you can't, it, it kind of depends year to year, right? Like some years you're not going to be as deep as you want to be. Um, and so you're going to go out and go attack the positions where you're not as deep at and then see what you end up with. But other years, you might have a deeper recruiting class. Um, so it kind of just depends to me. How do you go about balancing it? Well, it kind of depends on how you're doing in recruiting up until that point. And then also kind of looking ahead, too, because you kind of kind of have to go um, into the portal, get some project guys, too. Jerron Willis being one of those guys that I'm kind of circling on my radar, at least in terms of transfer portal guys that are, you know, that have a lot of potential to learn and grow. Um, so it's a really, really tough balance. I think Coach Beamer's done a pretty good job of it so far. Um, and then sometimes you also in the portal, like you just miss. Um, I think South Carolina could have gone and gotten an extra offensive lineman. Obviously, they didn't expect to have as many injuries, but one more, one or two more could have helped. Um, and I, I'm sure people inside certainly feel that way. As I well. think the tough thing about the offensive line, and we kind of talked about this last week, Joe, because I know that we saw some people roll their eyes, they started frigging aching about. South Carolina, and I know there's another player that South Carolina is looking at from the Ivy League, 
but Ivy League players, Patriot League, FCS ranks, okay? When you look at it, and I'm specifically talking about the offensive line position. We could do this for other positions, but specifically talking about the offensive line. When people talk about, man, we need to go out there and get someone in the portal from an offensive line standpoint, the really good offensive linemen, when you're talking about really good, they're usually not the guys from the Power 5 ranks. And the reason I say that is there's usually a reason why these players are leaving other schools. Now, that's not to say an offensive lineman leaving one Power 5 school can't be good at another. But it's not like a wide receiver. It's not like a quarterback. Sure, certainly, they will be outliers. they will be outliers. But the majority of the time, the majority of the time, when a talented offensive lineman is leaving, it's usually coming from one of the lower ranks. And the reason why that is the case is because they have demonstrated their worth at a lower level and coaches at the higher ranks, power five, and some of these other programs, they look at and they say, or even it could be a lower FBS school. And they say, wow, that kid has exactly what we're looking for. And they bring them in. Now, does that guarantee that they're going to pan out to be a stud here? No. Does that mean that they will? And this isn't what just South Carolina is doing. Go out there and look across the board. You're seeing more and more FCS players get opportunities, especially the offensive linemen. So I bring that up because when you look at some of this, when you look at some of this, when we're looking at one-year rentals or even perhaps two years because they're coming up, the way a lot of these coaches are looking at it is, okay, we have a guy that's already proven that he can play college football. Yes, it's not maybe the same level of competition, but he has the size. He understands what playing college football is all about. And we need, we need, we're looking for someone to plug in right away whether that be a starter or whether that be someone that could add some depth on our offensive line. And when you look at it, it's not always going to be, okay, we're going to be able to bring some guys in as freshmen and they're going to be able to play right away. That was the case this year, but that was also because South Carolina was so beat up on the offensive line. If I told you before the start of the season, would you love to see two starters on the offensive line that are true freshmen? I have a feeling a lot of people would say no. Now, that's not to say that Aluatosin Babalade is not good because he proved that he's good. That's not to say that Trevon Ba is not good. But you get what my point is. The point being is in the SEC, you're not going to win, as we saw. You're not going to win when your line is just so young. It's just not going to happen. So that's why for that position in particular, also tight end, you could also see other positions. I mean, linebacker, right? Keep going across the board. Running back even. And it wasn't just Mario Anderson. There was other programs in the SEC that had Division II running backs that were doing good things. These are ha- these trends are happening throughout college football, and it's happening for a reason. But when we talk about, hey, we need this guy, we need that guy, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked to see lower-level guys come up because, as we mentioned before, sometimes coming out of high school, maybe they weren't as big. Maybe they needed to develop more into their body. Maybe grades were an issue. Maybe from a scholarship standpoint, the family needed more money. They weren't going to be able to go to a school and be a preferred walk-on or only get partial, a partial scholarship. Maybe they went to another school because of those reasons. Whatever the case may be, maybe there was a family member that was sick and they wanted to be closer to home for the first two years of college. I mean, these are things that happen year after. Well, why was this kid playing at this level? Mario Anderson, perfect example. 
I mean, here's a guy that has proven that he's capable of playing in the SEC. Has proven. So, again, I bring these things up because it's something just to pay close attention to as we continue to go through portal season. And that's not to say South Carolina should just be focused on FCS players. That's that's not what my rant is about here. But it's just to go to show you the thought process for a lot of these coaches. And, again, it's not just happening at South Carolina. It's happening across the board. There's been a lot of talented Ivy League players that have played in the NFL. There's been a lot of talented Ivy League players, and it's not just Ivy League players, FCS players, Division II players that have had success at Power 5 schools, have had success at the SEC ranks, have had success here at the University of South Carolina. So I think that's something that, again, we'll, we'll continue to see. And don't roll your eyes when you see some of this. Don't roll your eyes because it's happening at other schools. And if any school has proven it, over the last couple of years, that they're pretty freaking good at identifying some of that talent. And yeah, they'll miss. They'll miss at times. No one, no one bats a thousand. Shane Beamer and his staff has done a pretty good job with it, but they certainly need to continue to attack the portal. And I think there were some blind spots that after week one, they realized, oh shoot, we need to be able to get more depth here. We need to get more talent here. And I think that will be something that as we begin this offseason that they have kept in the back of their mind and they will continue to attack because they need to. Yeah, it continues to evolve, Mike, like we've been talking about. I mean, it's talking season for football, and whenever it's talking season, deals are made and, and structures put in place. Um, so, I mean, it's it's always evolving. I mean, could be something else next week, next month, whatever. Um, so I think Shane Beamer, I, and I brought this up in my podcast too and everything. I mean, we've been talking about it for weeks. Like this staff is learning as we are, kind of. You know, I mean – Every year is a different rep. Every offseason is a different rep, but every year it also changes. So they're learning, I mean, trying to navigate this portal era as well as anybody else is. Um, sure, the schools, you know, that have a lot of money are going to navigate it a little bit easier, but I mean, it's just as hard for everybody else. So, um, you know, I, I think this coaching staff is learning how to navigate this and balance out the recruiting classes like we've talked about. So, um, so far, so good for Shane Beamer and his staff. And I think, you know, expect to, to see a couple welcome homes here, um, you know, within the next week or month or so. No, I, I agree with that. No question about it. Uh, talking about, I want to go back to the, the uh, Fuller situation, right? Again, South Carolina, they need to be able to bring some talent into that running back room. Okay. And the reason I say that, even if they're able to get a guy like Daniel Hill, right, you want to continue to have guys that are ready to go in that room. Because as South Carolina found out the hard way to begin the season, they were a little bit off. Now, for one reason or another, right? Now, um, Lavoisier Carroll having an injury that prevented him from playing football, having to retire from football, going back to last spring. There's certain things that you can't control. But now, again, talking about certain positions, whether it be the offensive line, whether it be even maybe some positions defensively too, there were things that South Carolina, from a blind spot standpoint, I truly, truly believe that they they felt like they were going to be okay at. Now, I also think there were some areas they knew heading into the season, even heading into last year's transfer portal, that they looked at saying, okay, this might be an issue, but we might be able to make the most out of it. Injuries, of course, you can't predict those. But when you have injuries pile up at certain positions, whether it be on the offensive line, whether it be at linebacker, whether it be even in the running back room towards the end of the season, you can't predict those things. And you can't do anything 
when those things actually happen, right? This isn't the NFL. You can't just go out and sign someone in off the street. You can't just go down. I think Beamer said it a couple of years ago. You can't just go down to five points and sign a quarterback, right? Hey, who played high school football here? Hey, who played at Dreer High or whatever the case may be? Can't do that. So you need to be able to be more proactive now. And obviously you can't predict certain things, but that's why when we talk about the quarterback room, we saw the news today about Luke Doty being back for another year. Whether Doty is in the quarterback room, whether Doty's in the wide receiver room, whether Doty's doing kind of what he did last year and he's having a hand in both. Even if he does that, your quarterback room right now is very, very inexperienced. You might have the next great thing with Lenora Sellers, but even if he is the next best thing for you, you have Dante Reno, who's arriving in January. He hasn't even stepped foot on campus. Lenora Sellers hasn't took, I don't want to say a meaningful snap, because he was in a Wildcat package towards the end of the season. But you know what I mean. He hasn't started a game yet. He's done some good things. Luke Doty, he's the only one that has started games in that room. But he hasn't started a game at quarterback since 2021. So I bring that up because you're going to have to add depth. You're going to have to add competition at multiple positions. I brought up, obviously, quarterback. We know offensive line. We know the running back room. But with Matthew Fuller and the situation with him, yeah, you know what's happening? And this goes back to what Joe mentioned with big boy recruiting. The guy balled out this year. The guy balled out. So what happens when a dude balls out? And a lot of people are looking at him. At the time as, all right, yeah, it's a good player. But then at the end of the season, he moves up to being ranked the 11th best running back in the country. What happens? More people are going to be like, man, look at that dude. So I don't blame the young man. I don't blame the young man if, you know, he wants to enjoy the recruiting process. Would it worry me a little bit? Of course. Of course. But again, it doesn't surprise me. And this isn't specifically about Matthew Fuller. It's about anybody. Certainly the ties to South Carolina with Fuller's Fuller playing for Connor Shaw's brother. I get that. But we'll have to wait and see how things play out. And again, and I'm not saying that I know something about the situation specifically, but if Daniel Hill comes here and seeing the steam that has picked up with Hill over the last couple of weeks is that being used against South Carolina on the recruiting trails we all know dirty recruiting takes place right negative recruiting and things are being said sometimes to help said school I wouldn't be shocked if that's being said to him hey you see what's going on South Carolina yeah I might bring that kid Hill in yeah they have some pretty talented guys in that room you know I'm sure that's being being used against South Carolina to some extent. But if you're a South Carolina, what do you do? Continue just to recruit the hell out of him like you have been? Guys like Reno, players that are currently on the team, whoever it may be, you got to stay on these kids. You got to stay on them until they put pen to paper on National Signing Day, whether it be the first period, which obviously would make a lot of people feel a hell of a lot better. Again, that is December 20th. So we're about two weeks away, two weeks and one day away. But 
If not, then you got to wait until the second signing day period, which, as we know from last year with Nicholas Harbor, you might age a little bit getting to that finish line. Yeah, Mike, we got two two questions and then I guess like a comment left in the comments. So we appreciate you guys commenting as always um, helps us, gives us, you know, what to talk, know what to talk about. Cause know what you guys want to hear um, us talk about. So that's big, but big red ass would restructuring the NIL process prevent many of the guys leaving for the portal. And then Kagi Josh also asked what's up with the NCAA president pr- proposal that would have major schools, $2,000 a year. Like we talked about under their own subdivision, would we fit in there to retain depth? Um, so I, I guess I can take a swing at it first, Mike, if you don't mind. Yeah, go uh, after that first one. Yeah, absolutely. So Big Red, yeah. Ask, um, so yeah, to Big Red's question, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the way that – I mean, currently from what I've seen, the NCAA, from what I've seen from the, the plan the NCAA has set out, um, is probably the best way to go about it. It's the most d- deep plan we've seen in terms of like NIL because um, right now it's kind of been the, the wild, wild west. Everyone's just kind of making their own rules and regulations, and it's also not attached to – um, the team as well, or, or the school, at least, you know, it's, it's all externally funded. Um, we love our friends at Garnet trust and we know that they'll continue to evolve with the rules and regulations and stuff like that, continuing to help the university connect student athletes as well. Um, so I think restructuring the NIL process, it's going to happen regardless. Uh, but I, I trust like Garnet trust and Ray Tanner and South Carolina athletics. There's so many people in um, the office to name, that are helping out with this whole um, NIL situation. But yes, I I do think um, restructuring the process would help with that. um, If it's just cleaner and just, you know, it's instead of having it left up to guys at the end of the season, it's like, all right, here's what I want. Um, This is what I want or I'm leaving. Um, I think throughout the year, you kind of see, you know, what you're going to get. And it it would lead of a less mass, less of a mass exodus, if you will, Mike. Here's the tricky part. And we've talked about this before in the past, and this is what makes trying to, we can call it restructure. We can call it putting different parameters in place with NIL legislation. You're not going to be able to get a unified NIL law passed. Yep across the country. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. That's just the reality of it. So if you can't do that, what can you do if you're the NCAA? What can you do? If you can't control things because there's things just above you, right? From a legal standpoint, from state to state, what can you do? To me, the first thing you do is you control some of the things that you can control, which is you put back in place and I would feel bad for some of the kids, but not all. What I would do is you go back to having to sit out a year if you transfer. Now, if you're a grad student, if your coach gets fired or if your coach leaves, just like it was before, then you won't get penalized if you leave. If you're a sophomore and your coach gets fired and you want to go leave to another school, have at it. But I feel like if you do that, you're able to get some type of control back you're able to get some type of control back because i don't i don't really think the issue is as much about nil as i think some people think it is i think what the issue is is it's nil combined with the ability to enter the transfer portal at any given time now the way the rules are just to remind folks 
If you enter the transfer portal once, you're not able to enter it again unless you're a grad student or, like I talked about, with some of the circumstances. You're going to have to sit out. Certainly there are waivers and all that other stuff that can get approved. But there is some type of parameters in place. The problem is it really hasn't made any type of impact because what's happening is we're still in this era where there's still some players who, because of that COVID season in 2020, I mean, I mentioned Alex Herrera, I mentioned Luke Doty. You have guys that have, are heading into their sixth season. There are guys that would will still be able to play a seventh season if they want, simply because of the COVID year, red shirt, maybe they got hurt in between there. So I think more than anything, Joe, what needs to happen is the NCAA needs to get off their freaking hands. We talked about the the, the whole, you know, the 30,000. Like, that's great. That sounds great. Yeah. Why don't you address what the real problem is? The real problem is it's not just an NIL problem. It's an NIL combined with the transfer portal problem. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Tampering. Tampering. Um, free agency. Does that mean it goes away completely? No, it doesn't go away. Well, that's, completely. Like, I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there. Right? The, the thing that's missing, and I don't know, I might've missed it, but in that NCAA proposal, it, it says nothing about the portal. Uh, no. so I think they think by, you know, tuning up the NIL, maybe it helps the portal. I think you need to put regulations like Mike's saying, I think you're onto something there. You need the to put portal, regulations in for the portal specifically. Because if the portal put yeah. it this way, if NIL didn't exist, let's say NIL didn't exist. Let's say this is five years ago, right? NIL doesn't exist. <laughs> and and everything's really happening in the back door because I mean, we're not naive to that. But legal NIL doesn't exist. If legal NIL doesn't exist and you still have the transfer portal, will players enter the portal? Of course. But it would limit that. It would limit it. You wouldn't see over 1,000 players as I currently look at the updated portal wire on Gamecock Central or on um, on three, you wouldn't have two thousand seven hundred thirty-five. Because look at this, what does this tell you? Okay, we're over one thousand players already in the transfer portal. One thousand players are already in the transfer portal. Last year, over twenty-seven hundred. Year prior, twenty-three hundred. And then let's go back to twenty twenty-one. Just under 800. You see the big difference? You see the jump in what has took place over the last couple of years during that time period? NIL. NIL's been going on. NIL is really... So, again, when you combine NIL and the transfer portal, that's the real problem. It's not just an NIL problem. It's not just an NIL issue. I do want to bring this up because I really haven't talked about it on here because I've seen a lot of people talk about the juice well situation. And I really don't want to spend a lot of time on it simply because at the end of the day, he's not here anymore. He's not here anymore. But what I will say is what I will say is I had a ballpark number of what Juice made last year, and I had an idea of how much he was going to be making this year if he were to come back. Having said all of that, I find it very hard to believe that another school would have been able to match that. Okay? So what I'm trying to get at is 
it wasn't just an NIL problem in terms of retaining juice. When people ask, why isn't juice back anymore? Yep. It wasn't just about the money. Now, I'm making this up. If they were, you know, if that number was a fourth of what, you know, one fourth of what they were going to offer, Mike, that's a little different. But what I'm trying to get at is it wasn't an issue with the money from what I was told. He goes to another school, let's say, I don't know, Texas, and they were offering him just over half of that, that that would have likely happened. And that could happen still. It was a combination of that as well as how things ended here. Now, and as I've said this before, and I want to make sure that I'm I'm saying it the exact same way that I said the other day. The situation with Juice here was this. Guy got hurt before the season started. Guy came back. He wanted nothing more than to help his team. Comes out there sooner than he should have. Got hurt again in the Georgia game. Does everything he can to get back out on the field. But towards the end of the season, medically clear to go, and he doesn't come back out there. Doesn't come back out there. At that point, and there's other layers to it. Certain people in his camp were telling him, advising him not to come back, to sit out, to take your time. And it caused, I think, a lot of added clutter in Juice's head. Because I don't think Juice is a malicious person. I don't think Juice was out there on purpose trying to piss anyone off. But I think it really cluttered his head. And because of that, in especially where USC was towards the end of the season, needing to win out in order to become bowl eligible, it frustrated some people in that building. Naturally, there was some frustration between people in that building, Juice, and Juice's camp. So that takes place, and now you get into the offseason. Juice doesn't play during the Clemson game. Never mind anything that he posted on Twitter X, okay? But the fact that that happened, there were certainly going to be hurdles that needed to be overcome in order to repair that relationship. And I think more than anything, anything, Juice needed to swallow his pride a little bit in order for that to happen. Now, I was told there was some progress being made with repairing that relationship, those relationships, there were some that were repaired, but ultimately there were things that Juice needed to basically say, you know, get the people out of his ear and say, hey, listen, I'm just going to do my thing. And that didn't happen, unfortunately. So again, I share that to say that it wasn't just about the money with Juice. I know that it probably doesn't make some people feel better, uh, about the fact that some of them, yeah, they donated to collectives and Juice was able to get money for it. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I mean, Lynn makes a good point here too. My problem with Juice Wells is that he should have had to pay back some of the money last year when he was, chose not to play. I'm hearing this all over Twitter. I get it. I hear it. And I'm, like the only thing I, I have to say from um, my standpoint is, you know, it. I, I guess it's an unfortunate casualty of all of this, right? Um, guys get hurt. Um, and all of that. And then, so Mike, I don't know if you have anything else to offer on that, but Lynn, I, at least I can do is say, I hear you guys all on Twitter and everything. I, I put this out yesterday. 
because I don't want to get into the specifics because some of this is fluid. Um, it's a fluid situation. But I put this out yesterday. There's a lot of gray area with with NIL. You know, things aren't going to be perfect. But over time, collectives will learn and adjust. So think about what I just said there in response to what we just talked about. Again, I, I don't want to get into some of these specifics with it because there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are fluid. But I'll say that again. There's a lot of gray area with NIL. Things aren't going to be perfect, but over time, collectives will learn and adjust. I know for a fact, I know for a fact that Garnet Trust has been hearing everything that fans have been expressing displeasure about. And it's not even, you know, going all the way back these last couple months about XYZ. I'm talking about what has transpired over the last week specifically. But they've they've heard your concerns. And that's why you're starting to see them put on a clinic in the past 48 hours now with the number of guys that they're signing. And again, I don't want to get into the specifics, but there are there's going to be parameters put in place a little bit differently in comparison to how things were put in place prior. And there are contracts that these athletes are signing. Ju signed a contract, but again, things are going to be a little bit different. Let's just put it that way. So again, I don't want to get into the specifics because there's things that are going on still. But as I mentioned, you can't some you can't go back, right? You can't go back. You can't go back in time. There's no friggin' time machine here. But you learn and you're able to adjust moving forward. So I'll kind of just put it at that point. Yeah. Absolutely. We're getting a lot of questions about the whole Juice Wells situation. Um, trying to keep up with all of them. Um, let's see. What do we got? Do you guys think UFC should take a look at Julian Fleming in the portal? Skull, TYA, catch 87 or 84. Julian Fleming. Mike, does that name ring a bell? There's guys that Wes and Chris are monitoring. Mm-hmm. They would have a better idea than me. Um, what I've been doing really is I've been focusing – heavily on the guys that are here. Now there's some guys that I hear. There's some guys that are here that um that um you know that I'm hearing names that could be coming here, but I'm I'm gonna be honest, I haven't been paying attention as closely to the guys they could be looking at other than a few handful of guys. But Chris and Wes have really been on top of all that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so before Mike, you want to hit the ads and we'll go final thoughts, but there was one comment I did want to shout yeah. out before we hit them. And Joe, honestly, I might keep things rolling here. If you have to yeah, get going, yeah, absolutely. Get rolling. I'm, I'm um, getting with it too. Yeah. I mean, these, sure. this is why we did the show at, uh, at two o'clock, you know, we have, we appreciate everyone that's tuned in right now. We know that you guys have been locked in over the last week plus on Gamecock central. And again, if you're not a subscriber to Gamecock central, I highly, 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 highly recommend um, being a member, and I'm not just saying that because I work there. Uh, it is incredible the amount of information that is being provided there between you know not just myself but my colleagues Chris and Wes. The information that we're able to gather, we try to share some of it here with you, but it's to give you a taste. It's to give you a taste, and if you want more of it, come on over to Gamecock Central. Enjoy, enjoy us over there. Enjoy the coverage. Enjoy the camaraderie 
on the message board, the good, the bad, the ugly, and um, and, and be informed not just on what's going on with the transfer portal and everything that's taking place with football, but basketball, obviously, they are off to a rocket hut start, both men and women. Big game, of course, coming up for the men tomorrow as they take on Clemson. Up in Clemson, up in the upstate. But um, baseball, too, is right around the corner. So all that yeah. that uh, that stuff in between. But Absolutely. having having said all that, yeah. yeah, let's get into some ads. Then sure. we'll come back. We'll talk some more. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. We'll, we'll, we'll hit on a couple other things, too, that we haven't gone into before we wrap this show up, though. But yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Yeah, Jason, we're going to keep it rolling after the ad read. So we're, we're, we're going to keep it rolling. Um, but yeah, wait, there was one comment that we can squeeze in before the ad ad, ad break. Yes. Um, I We always want to um, bring light to our creative media people here. Justin King taking over game co- or game day productions at Williams Bryce and all of football um, creative media. Shout out to him, title bump. And then they're also bringing in um, a guy named Eichel, I believe, to oversee Justin's previous role in overseeing all other sports. I'm excited to meet him, excited for the creative media team. They do a lot for this program or for football and just for the entire athletic department, the university. So shout out to them. And also shout out to our advertisers today, starting off with our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax IED is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time if you're in a hurry for your refund. Call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. They are fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood, open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through Liberty Tax mobile app or through their desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents from when you come in. Your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576. Once again, on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs, Mike. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. If you're in the process of purchasing a home, you know that finding the lowest rate right now in the market, it's not necessarily one of the easier things to do, but no problem. Do what Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth did when both those two were looking for homes. They gave Clint a call. Clint was able to make that process much easier for them. Give him a call at 803-771-6933. Once again, that is Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, a longtime supporter, not just Gamecock Central, but he is the big sponsor here on GC Live, every GC Live that you watch on this network. All right, keeping things moving along. I want to just do a quick update to remind folks on some of the players who South Carolina has been able to retain. We'll get back into some of the specific questions that you guys have, but I think it's important too to to talk about the retention part because the retention is big. Having said all that, from a numbers standpoint, from a portal standpoint, last Thursday we told you that you could expect about 15 players to enter the portal. That was the number that I was given. Now, you know, I'm not saying that it has to be 15 on the dot. Could be a little bit over. Could be a little bit under. But you, you get the point. Round 15. As of today, as of today, we're at 15. As of today, we're at 15 Gamecocks who have entered the portal. Now, I believe, and I want to make sure if there's an update on one of them, because as of last night for South Carolina, 14 of them were appearing in the portal 
But okay, so as of right now, 14 of those 15 players that are expected to enter the portal have entered, the other one being an offensive lineman. So I say that because, and I said this last week, and I think some people rolled their eyes a little bit probably when I said it, but when we said on Thursday that things were not as bad as they seemed, especially from having conversations with people that are close to the program, inside the building, whatever you, whatever, right? Talk to all of them. When we told you that, I think there were some people like, oh, you're just trying to blow smoke up, you know, people's backsides here. Let's take a step back now. Let's take a step back. And Joe, you weigh in too. You let me know if I'm blowing smoke up people's backsides here, or if you think I'm onto something here. Yeah. There is no question. There is no question in a perfect world, South Carolina would love, would love to have Juice Wells back. There's no question. You can't replace talent like that when Juice is on his game. A healthy Juice, like we saw two years ago, if Juice is healthy, he were to come back next season, there's no question. No question. Mitch Jeter, phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. Kickers get overlooked sometimes, but as we've seen at this program, the importance of being able to flip the field, whether it be a Kai Kroger and what he was able to do two years ago, or what Mitch Jeter was able to do. Okay? Having said all that, though, What has South Carolina really lost big picture? Big picture. Because you're seeing starters leave other programs. You saw Clemson lose some defensive backs. You're seeing other players. So I bring it up because what is really South Carolina loss? Big picture. It hasn't been as bad. And again, that's just, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Things have not been as bad as some people were making them out to seem on Thursday. Again, would you like Juice Wells back? Of course. Of course. But you were going to lose some players. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Every school outside of probably the college football uh, playoff teams, because we'll see that change towards the end of bowl season. But you're seeing guys stay at this program. You're going to lose some players. Some guys just don't want to be here. Juice Wells isn't here. Again, would you have loved to have Juice back? Absolutely. Would you have loved to have Mitch back? Absolutely. But as we mentioned before, Alex Herrera, next man up. Yeah. I'm not saying that South Carolina's wide receiver room, even if they're they're able to go out there and bring some talented guys in, is better than it was with Juice Wells in there. No kidding, it's not. But as a whole, as a whole, it's not as bad as some people are making it out to see. 15 players. 15 players, you go, you go look up and down the production that came from that room. Again, it's happening everywhere across college football, outside of probably the college football playoff teams, because who wouldn't want to stick around and try to get a room? I mean, a ring, excuse me. Yeah, Big Red asked, what day is early signing day? Mike, do you have it off the top of your head? I'm sorry. Uh, early signing day is December yeah. 20th. Yep, there you go. Um. Let's see. So two weeks, so 17 days or whatever. Um, yeah, great math, Mike. 15 days from now. Yeah. Um, want to touch on this real quick. Trent asked, is Harbor returning? Sorry if it has been talked about already. Been tuned out for a few days. Yeah. I yep. mean, there's been 
from everything, and I had a grocery grocery list of players, probably between 30 to 35 from talking with people, going back to last week, getting um, whether, you know, hey, this, this is something to keep an eye on or this is in good shape. And as I alluded to before, as I alluded to before, it's not to scare anyone about the Nicky Worries, the Mario Andersons, Nicholas Harbour, or insert player's name here. But the reality is there are situations going on. I'm not saying specifically at South Carolina, but there are situations going on where a player is telling, whether it be the collective, whether it be telling the program, whether it be telling his teammates, yeah, I'm going to be back. Everything's good. But the player himself or people in their camp, in his camp, are shopping them around. Tampering, yes. But again, as we alluded to before, unless people are stupid and they put stuff in writing, it's going to be very difficult to have some type of concrete evidence to prove that. And not just to be able to prove it, but to have the NCAA care. So I say these things because when I tell you that Mario Anderson, Nick Emanwari, Nicholas Harvard, that things are going well right now and they everything should be good based on what I've been told, these are things that I'm still thinking in the back of my mind. Not to scare you, not to say that these things are going on with these three players or with one of these three, but I've been hearing stories at other schools. I've also been hearing stories that it's gone on in the past here at South Carolina. So just so that you're not naive, we're not naive to the situation. It's just something to keep in mind. But with uh, with not just Harbor, or I mentioned some of these players, Joe. I want to throw this out there. We're going to see a lot of these players, the Garnet Trust, start to pop up, right? Like people are thinking, I think some are assuming like, okay, are we going to have like a hundred of these? No, no, no. The way that I would call it is it's the star treatment, right? It's the star treatment. You're getting players locked in to do NIL work with said collective. And this collective, of course, is Garnet Trust. What does that usually entail? Based on... Past contracts, typically what that entails, are doing a couple interviews with for Garnet Trust. I think there was actually an interview today with Sellers. Lenore Sellers was on 107.5 The Game during the Garnet Trust hour. You have that. Maybe you sign a couple pictures, some gear, whatever, do a couple appearances during the year. That's typically what those deals entail. Yeah. So that does that mean if a player does not sign with Garnet Trust, they're not going to be back here next year? No. And that doesn't mean if we haven't seen a player sign with Garnet Trust, that doesn't mean things aren't done. Think about how much work has been done so far by Garnet Trust over the last two days. Right? I mean, <laughs> it's it's not like they have a group of fifty people working every negotiation you know, at every given hour. So you're going to have to go down the list. Like it's going to take some time. And that's not to say that some of these conversations weren't taking place last week because some of them were, but we'll keep seeing more. We'll keep seeing some more players come out, but that's not to scare you. If you're like, Hey, why is this player not getting that? Doesn't mean they're not getting some type of NIL opportunity through Garnet trust or the other collectives out there, whether that be Carolina rise, whether that be park Ave, it just means that the collective has signed 
that individual that both parties have agreed to it too. That's something that other people need to, you know, people need to keep in mind. And the last thing I'll say, Joe, and then if you want to share any thoughts or, you know, comment on this question that Will has, the other thing yeah. too is I think some people would be surprised on what some of these players are making as far as it not being as crazy as some people think it is and how some players too have been asked, do you want, you know, do you want to do some type of NIL deal? And these players are saying, Nope, I'm good. I just want to play football. I think some people would be surprised based on the conversations I've had. So that doesn't mean, and I'll use Garnet trust. For example, that doesn't mean Garnet trust will just be like, you know, you don't want anything like, all right, Okay, we'll use this money elsewhere. They want to look out for them. They want to take care of them, you know? But some of these players are just like, nope, I just want to focus on ball. That was the case with some players last year. That was a fo- fo- focus uh, for some of those guys. Like, I just want to focus on ball. And now this offseason, some of these collectives are like, hey, look, I know last year you said you didn't want anything, but this year we got you if you want us to take care of you, you know? We got you. And some of them are like, all right. You know, and there's been other cases where players last year, I know they were like, you know what? Mm, I don't deserve it yet. I need to go out there and prove myself. And they did. And now this year they're like, yeah, I'll take something. So just to let you know how some of this stuff works, it's not just, all right, we got to pay everyone on the roster the same amount of money. Cause certainly that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, shout out to Jay Diz and Will for bringing this up. But Van Martin Scott also signs with Garnet Trust. Another huge one. Martin Scott is likely to be your starter somewhere at linebacker along with Stone Blanton and Pup Howard. Um, those guys do really, really, really well um, in there in the middle for Clayton White um, and his guys. So um, very big to get Van Martin Scott. Another Indiana kid as well, um, Fort Wayne boy. So shout out to him. Went to, I think, Snyder or something like that. But um, something about those Indiana kids, Mike, something about them. But, uh, yeah, shout out to Van Martin Scott for also getting a, a deal with um, – Garnet Trust, and then also, obviously, that confirms he will be back next year. Yeah, another player that was very dominant, especially towards the end of the season. I mean, he he earned more and more opportunity towards the end of the season, but what we saw from him, several of those defensive players down the stretch, I think about those last three games of the season, he's another player, when we talk about being able to retain key defensive players, he's certainly one of them. And look, let's call it for what it is, right? This is a five and seven team, five and seven team. Okay. And I think some people are like, oh, you know, great. They're bringing all these people back. It was still five and seven. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But at the same time, too, there are certain players that we saw, especially down the stretch, they weren't the problem. They weren't the issue. If anything, they were the ones that allowed you to still be in some of these games. So to be able to retain some of the defensive players that we've talked about, and again, if you're just joining us, that does not mean that every friggin' player is going to have one of these, you know, sign deals, okay? There'll be some players back here, some even some key players that'll be back that won't. But, you know, again, just keep that stuff in mind. I do want to go back to this, though. Where is this? Phil asks, is there really any advantage or disadvantage to both Garnet Trust and Carolina Rise existing? I'll put it this way, because obviously we do more 
we, we have a closer relationship with Garnet Truss than Carolina Rise. I think both, and obviously Carolina Rise is also working with Park Ave. I think both groups, their focus is being able to, to generate money for these student athletes. So as far as that goes, no, I don't think that there's any anything negative that you can say about that. I think the only disadvantage is that it creates some confusion amongst the fan base because now they wonder, okay, where should I give my money? Should I give this? Should I give that? Again, it's all going back to the same place. Now, having said that, currently with Garnet Trust, if you donate money, that's going to be matched going into signing day. There's going to be a $1 million match. And I believe, I believe, as of last night, the Garnet Trust is a f- over the fourth the way there. They're over uh, over $250,000 that they've been able to generate during this campaign. So I bring that up simply because I think it's just, it muddies the waters just a little bit. Because obviously if you just have one, and I think at some point, I think at some point you'll see a merger with the two. That would be just my guess. But J.C. Sherbert and everyone that's working over with Carolina Rise, they're working their tails off for the same mission. So, you know, whether you support Garnet Trust, whether you support Carolina Rise, it makes really no difference because it's all going back to the student athlete. But again, at least for the the time period between, well, now, but it took place over the last couple of days, between now and December 20th, if you donate to Garnet Trust, that's going to be matched. So if you donate 50, that's going to be matched. If you donate $1,000, that's going to be matched up to, it's going to be 2000 because they're going to have that $1 million match. And as we're seeing right now, roster retention is playing a big part this offseason for the Gamecocks. And Garnet Trust is certainly doing a big, uh, a lot of good things with it. And that's not to say Garnet Trust, I mean, that's not to say Carolina Rise isn't, or they're, they're not going to, but certainly, you know, from a budget standpoint, Garnet Trust has a little bit more. I say a little bit. They have more, but um, Carolina Rise is still doing good things. So that's what I would say about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a, yeah, a lot of good talking. Again, I will have Garnet Trust Director Jeremy Smith on my podcast this upcoming Sunday. Um, that interview is on Thursday, so it should be a really good one. I'm really excited to talk to him. Really timely, like Mike said, too. So um, it'll be the full rundown. And then, I mean, if you guys have any other questions, comments for Jeremy, I'm going to throw something, a little mailbag in, um, on the Insiders Forum just to kind of get an idea of what you guys want to hear from Jeremy. Because I have my questions. Obviously, you guys do, too. So I'm going to try to cover all bases because NIL is, like we said, very, very much evolving um, as, as we go along. Yeah, so talking about Debo Williams. So Debo, it is my understanding that Debo is testing the waters with the NFL and trying to get a draft grade. If he has a high enough draft grade that he'll pursue it, what that draft grade is, I don't know. I mean, this is a new rule. I say new rule, recently put in place over the last couple of years, that players can get their draft evaluation. And if a player likes what they see, they might pursue it. Now, I think with the type of year that Debo had, I wouldn't be surprised if his draft grade is higher, his evaluation is higher. I still think it would be more beneficial for him to come back because if he has that type of production again this season or he's even even, you know, just able to replicate it to, you know, even a smaller scale, if he's able to do that, man, 
I think that we could see Debo being one of the higher linebackers drafted in next year's draft. But, you know, again. Or go ahead. Well, again, we'll wait and see how things play out with it. But that is kind of what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say Debo's going to have success in the NFL wherever he goes. Um, I have, I think I mentioned it on my show or maybe one of these. Um, but I, my NFL comp for Debo is Ernest Jones, another South Carolina guy, really high motor, doesn't really stop. And Ernest Jones is having himself kind of a career with the St. Or St. Louis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell how tired I am, Mike, with all this poor old nonsense and all this. The LA Rams, I believe. Um, Ernest Jones is making a name for himself. So, um, yeah. watch out for Debo. Regardless if he if he enters the draft this year or next year, I think he's going to be a heck of a player. Um, you know, he's got to find his way to the top of somebody's lineup and make somebody really happy because he tackles well and he just he does not stop. He doesn't really stop going. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Ernest Jones. I mean, he's been an absolute freak in the NFL. He had 15 tackles this past weekend for the Rams, six solo. And it's like a, he's a guy that typically is atop the box score each week for the number of tackles. We'll wrap up in a little bit. Joe, if you got to get going, no worries. Um, yeah. We see the numbers staying steady, but, you know, we still have a good amount of people still tuned in. Um, Travis asked, you know, what's stopping them from merging into one collective? I mean, I have my opinions on it, but at the end of the day, it's two separate entities that want to run things their own way. And I think at the at, at the same token, the goal is still the same, which is being able to help out these student athletes. So again, that's why I think at some point it will it will take place. I know some people want to look at it as oh, it's a Garnet Trust. Excuse me, it's a Gamecock Central Big Spur thing. I think that played plays a little bit of a role, but I don't think it's as big as some people. It's not as big as some people probably think it is. I think there's other elements to it, which, you know, again, just trying to um, be all on the same page. I think it will happen at some point. But again, J.C. Sherbert and the guys over at Carolina Rise are doing a, a great job. Jay Diz has a question, Joe. Yeah, any word on Cobbett's rehab? It's going to be tough coming back from third knee surgery, really pulling for Cobbett to get back. Yeah, I mean, nothing right now. Nothing right now. I think Wes and Chris actually talked about this yesterday. Nothing right now. But if if there is some type of update, we will keep people posted. But nothing right now. I'd love to have him back. It'd be great. I mean, just, you know, can't say enough good things about that kid. He's been very unfortunate. He's been every, very unlucky. I mean, I think that's the best way to put it. Joe, before we wrap things up, before we wrap things up, is there anything else that has really stood out to you over the last couple of days, whether it be, whether it be a, some of the things that South Carolina are doing right now in the NIL space, Garnet Trust with the signings, uh, transfer portal, areas where you hope South Carolina will be able to improve through the portal this next week or so, or I don't know, a player that we are hoping to hear good news from in the near future. Any of those things kind of stand out to you? No, none in particular. I think we covered it. Obviously, the NCAA news, as that evolves, um, I think that's really exciting, something to certainly watch. Um, because, like again, like I, I brought up earlier in the show, 
Um, it's really, really interesting because we haven't seen anything to this magnitude from the NCAA yet. I had initially assumed that the NCAA was kind of going to fade off into oblivion and let the college football playoff be its own thing, but the NCAA is stepping up. So watch that situation. Um, and then I obviously, um, you know, really excited for Garnet Trust, everything that they're, they've been able to do supporting student athletes. Um, super excited for this interview. Like I said, with, uh, you know, Jeremy Smith, Garnet Trust is going to be a good one. Um, and then I've, I'm hoping to have a little sneak peek of my interview with, um, Gamecock quarterback Dante Reno, 2024 QB in the class. I'm hoping to have him on as well. Um, so yeah, should be a really good episode of the walkthrough this week. Um, got a lot of good stuff for talking season. Like I said, um, it's going to be a big one for the show. So a lot of good stuff, um, ahead for my show. And then obviously this show too, Mike and I are going to keep rolling yeah. as long as we can, you know, um, bring you guys everything you need to know, but, um, no, Mike, I mean, Garner trust has been doing a really, really, really good job at, at locking a lot of the good guys down. Yeah. And, and again, guys. Head on over to Gamecock Central. We'll have a full list of the guys who South Carolina has been able to retain, but you're also able to get updated as far on the players who left some of their production, or I don't want to say lack thereof. I mean, there are some guys that just didn't have an opportunity here, right? Numbers yep. game, certain positions. You're only going to be able to play X amount of guys at a certain position, and some guys want opportunities elsewhere for whatever reason. It might not have been necessarily a player who was buried on the depth chart or – you know, depending on where they were in the depth chart, weren't seeing the same opportunity. There were some guys that just want to change the scenery. It happens. I think my final thought before we wrap things up here today, I think it's going to be what South Carolina is able to do. What, you know, I'm just going to pull this up because Darren bring this up. Darren says, what happened with Tree? I kept hearing he was leaving, but I saw he's coming back. Yeah. And Darian, I'm not saying this specifically at you, but this is why I told people last week. And I'm, you know, there's other Gamecock outlets that report, but I can only specifically speak about Gamecock Central. Unless Gamecock Central reports it, won't believe it. I'm just calm for what it is. There was a lot of crap out there last week, right? And I, the only reason I'm going to be entertaining some of those thoughts is just to make a point. There were some people saying, oh, Tonka's leaving. Oh, this person's leaving. That person's leaving. And I just sat there, and I'm just like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So I say all that because there's a couple things to be cautious of, especially this time of the year. I think I saw one account last week. Someone screenshot it and sent it to me. Um, be careful about some of the things you see on X, number one. Number yeah. two. Make sure it is the actual freaking account because people will change their names, change their pictures. I know Twitter slash X, they've kind of changed some of their rules to prevent some of that, but uh, still be cognitive of that because you don't want to get bamboozled and you see something, some guy's leaving, this guy's staying, whatever the case may be. Uh, we've seen that happen with myself. I've seen it with Gamecock Central account. I've seen it with other GC reporters. So, you know, be cognitive of that. But again, head on over to Gamecock Central. If you're on the website, you're going to see everything. You're going to see everything, and you're going to be able to uh, be in the know. Be in the know. Oh, and then we – so people are asking about basketball. Real quick, Jack and I will have um, the hard follow on Thursday this week because um, the men's and women's team both play on Wednesday, I believe. And then this week will be a women's basketball 
focused episode. We'll still talk about the men's team plenty. Um, our guest is Jonathan Hampton, friend of Gamecock Central, um, was a manager for Don Staley for all, I think, for five years, even throughout when he was in grad school. Really, really knowledgeable cat. Excited to have him on the show as well. But for all your basketball stuff, um, hit up the hard follow on Thursday. We're going live at 6, I think. So um, for everyone commenting about basketball, we'll be over there on Thursday. Perfect. And I think moving forward, at least during this transfer portal time period, and again, portal opened up yesterday for FBS players. We saw some players already in the portal before that that were non-graduates. But I say that because the next 30 days, it's going to be uh, crazy. We have National Signing Day. The early National Signing Day period will take place in just over two weeks on December 20th on Wednesday. I'll talk with intern Joe, but we might be doing these shows at 2 o'clock just to stay consistent with what Chris and Wes are doing with the other GC Live shows so that if you're enjoying the GC Live coverage each day at 2, that you'll be able to continue to enjoy it at 2 because we know that the other GC Live shows throughout the week outside of Tuesday, they take place at 2. So I think we're going to move them on up. Darian says, yeah, it's hard to know what's true because people will say anything for cloud. I hear you. I hear you. Um, in Marion 26, I want to pull this up. We'll wrap things up in a minute, Joe. Yeah. We actually lost more key pieces last year than this year so far. Yeah, and again, I'm not trying to sit here doing like mental pretzels. And Marion, I think you understand that. And I think the majority of you listening that aren't jabronis, you guys understand it. That when you look at it, again, it's not as bad. There's always there's a saying in football. There's a saying in football. There's a couple of sayings in football that I, you know, that stand out to me when I think about this quote. It goes back to my days as a player, but you probably have heard Beamer. You probably have heard some of the players say it. When you go back and watch the tape, things aren't usually as good as they may seem, and they're usually not as bad as they may seem. When I think of a case like this. Things aren't usually as bad as they may seem, and they're not as good as they may seem. So that's kind of what I would say about that. Uh, appreciate everyone that tuned in today. We will keep you posted on what's going on on the recruiting trail for South Carolina as we get ready for National Signing Day on the 20th. We'll keep you updated as to what's going on in the transfer portal. And again, be sure to stay locked into Gamecock Central for any any updates, not just on players, if there's any changes to the coaching staff, if there's any players that South Carolina will be bringing in from visits or potentially could be going out doing home visits, we will keep you posted on Gamecock Central. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate everyone that tuned in today. If you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety as well as other GC shows. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, folks. We will see you on Thursday for GC Live Talking Thursday. No, it's GC Live Afternoon Drive. Joe, all these freaking shows, Joe. I don't even know what the show is anymore. Portal, NIL. Revolving. Never a bad time to be subscribed to Gamecock Central. Yeah. Hey, we'll see you Thursday, bottom line. Take care, folks. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your 
first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 